Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining us. And thank you, first time listeners, for coming in. I hope you all had a great Labor Day weekend. And not just the first time listeners, all of the listeners. That sounded like I was saying, I hope you, first time listeners, had a great Labor Day weekend. I hope people who've listened to every episode or just two episodes also enjoyed their Labor Day weekend. Now that sounds like I'm saying if you've listened to one episode, two episodes, or every episode, I hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. And then I'm leaving out someone who's listened to maybe five or 100 episodes. And I'm not leaving you out either. I'm not leaving anyone out. Listen, if you've ever listened to the podcast or if this is your first time listening, thank you for listening. There, I got it out. Today's guest is a very talented actress and comedian here in New York City. She has done a ton of things and she offers a lot of really great advice for anyone at any stage of their comedy or entertainment career. So why don't we just get right to it? Here's my chat with Cody Lindquist. I know that you have a BA in theater because it says it on your website at George Washington. So obviously (laughs) before you started professionally going into comedy and acting, you were doing things in the performance and entertainment world. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've been, you know, I was one of those people that wanted to be an actor when I was like eight. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think I wanted to be a bus driver and an actor and a um, teacher and a <laughs> kind of everything. But I was really into theater in high school. Uh-huh. Um, and also like journalism. I was like editor of my newspaper and stuff. So I wanted to go to school um, for theater. Uh, I wanted to be an actor. I thought I was going to be like a Broadway actress or something. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Or on SNL, right? Like right. either. <laughs> right. Maybe I'd do both. Who knows? <laughs> um, but I think theater was more the route that I thought I was going to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So I'm from Ohio originally. And I just also wanted to get out of Ohio and go to a school um, in a city. And um, I ended up at GW sort of randomly because they're the only one that gave me money. Oh, I see, yeah. (laughs) So I had never visited there, um, but I was also interested in politics. I guess that was part of the reason I had applied there. Um, Yeah, so that's where I ended up. And it ended up being a really great experience. I was really devastated. I uh, got into NYU and I really wanted to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was pretty devastated. But it ended up being a really awesome experience. thing and i'm really happy that i didn't move to new york right away and i had a little bit of time somewhere else that's really good yeah and dc is a fun city and um there's a great improv scene there did you do improv there as well no i did nothing like that it was so (laughs) stupid i did no comedy i actually i was just remembering the other day one of my professors who was uh i i loved him he was kind of like a mentor really took Mm -hmm. me under his wing it was really Mm -hmm. great and encouraging to me I remember he told me uh, that I should never do comedy. I should only do uh, drama, that that was my calling in life. Oh, interesting. (laughs) 
Yeah. And I completely forgot that he told me to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a lot of classical theater. I thought I was going to like do Shakespeare forever. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. But guess what? That doesn't pay any money. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the thing. Like a lot of people don't realize Paul Rudd was trained in Shakespeare. <sighs> You it's know, like terrible. He, right, yeah. He did Shakespeare in the Park a bunch, and that was, it sounds like with you as well, it was his big love. And, um, yes. you know, you know, he had yeah, the same he, ideas, I, but honestly, I didn't get a job. Yeah, yeah. I honestly, like, I, I think I slowly realized, too, after doing, um, because I, I studied at GW, and then I stayed in D.C. for two years. I, I did... Um, I worked at some classical theater there, mm-hmm. uh, theaters there. I worked at Arena and Arena Stage and the Washington Stage Guild is where they kind of like help. I worked a lot there and they were really, really great um, to me there. And then I went on a tour for a year doing uh, Midsummer Night's Dream in our town oh, wow. um, with a little theater called the Olney Theater Company. And they have a thing called the National Players. And I did that. And I moved to New York afterwards and I sort of realized that like, actually this, that wasn't my passion. (laughs) (laughs) So in addition to not making any money, I didn't really love it. So (laughs) enter the UCB theater. (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah, you, you, that was where your primary training has been for improv. Yeah, for sure. I, I, like I said, I, took two years out of college and then I moved to New York and I tried to do theater here, but it's hard. It's really hard if you don't have like a network. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't go to like a big theater school and most of my friends who were doing theater were staying in DC. So I didn't really have a lot. So I was auditioning for a lot of really bad plays Mm -hmm. and I was sort of just not enjoying it because I felt like, I just sort of felt like why, if you were going to put on a play, wouldn't you, have friends that could do those parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like a lot of the plays I was auditioning for, I was like, oh, these people aren't good enough to actually have friends to do their parts. Uh, um, I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's <laughs> unfair of me to say, but, um, but you know, yeah, it's not like know, it's, it's hard uh, to find a 25 year old white woman to be in your Shakespeare play, you know? Right. There's like a million of us. Right. So, uh, and also, I'm interested in this political background that you, I mean, you mm-hmm. partly went to the college you went to because you're interested in politics. And that is something yeah. that has become a part of your life professionally, too. Um, yeah. So I'm interested when you had an interest going into college in politics, what was that interest? Um, you know, I, I, I always. I think it's really weird. I like got burnt out in high school by doing too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think initially I had thought like, oh, I'm going to, you know, basically running for Senate's like my retirement plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'll be famous Broadway actress and then like, you know, I'll run for Senate <laughs> um, or like via the Al Franken route, uh, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. you know, minus the retiring early from sexual right. harassment allegations but right. you know that sort of route yeah that's the thing you always want to <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't really yeah um anyway yeah so i i think i i was active a little bit in politics but i never did like uh any democratic clubs or anything like that mm-hmm. in dc i was just too busy doing theater and that just kind of took over everything and then the pol- yeah. political thing kind of went by the wayside, although you can't really be detached from politics living in D.C. So I was right. still very active and, and you know, um, 
doing protests and things like that. But I just I wasn't doing anything organized with Yeah, you weren't the working background. in the No, no. I was working at the mall in Ohio, earning money for rent for the next year. (laughs) (laughs) I see, I see. (laughs) Yes, yes. So I didn't have time to go work for a senator. I mean, I could have been Monica Lewinsky, you know, if I, I, my parents were a little wealthier, um, that could have been me. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. (laughs) When were you studying at UCB? So after I, I, like I said, I took two years out of school and I worked in DC and then I came here. I was probably in New York for about a year doing bad theater. And then Mm -hmm. I just, everybody kind of knew about UCB at the time. I mean, it was a really, it was a long time ago. It was 2005. I started Mm -hmm. to take Mm -hmm. classes there and I thought I'm going to take one class. They were cheaper than any other acting classes that I'd seen. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to have fun. Um, because nothing I was doing was fun. <laughs> so <laughs> I just thought, you know what? I just want to have fun. I just want to take this class and just, you know, take my mind off of all the shitty stuff I'm auditioning for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't think I hadn't really seen a lot of improv. Um, I hadn't seen sketch wasn't a thing there yet at UCB. And so I guess I just didn't know, like as an actor, it didn't, it didn't occur to me that improv was this thing that would help my career. Mm-hmm. I just thought it would be fun. Um, and like I said, there weren't people doing sketches there. So I didn't really, and there were, there were sketch shows, but the mod teams weren't around yet. So right. there wasn't really that route um, mm-hmm. to do. So I took improv. Uh, I took one, my first class and I thought, Oh, that's it. I'll just take one on one and that'll be it. And uh, Will Hines was my teacher and he wrote oh. me after the class and was like, I saw that you didn't sign up for level two. You should sign up for level two. You're really good. And uh, I thank him for changing my life. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a big vote of confidence to come from someone of his pedigree. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, oh, yeah, I guess maybe I'll sign up. This guy says that I'm pretty good. I didn't know if I was good or not. You can't really tell. I mean, improv level one is just so fun. Right. And I sort of came into it not knowing anything about the UCB scene and not being intimidated and just being like, well, whatever, you know, this is fun. <laughs> um, and then the more I got in the UCB community, I definitely got more in my head about everything and probably slowed my progress down. <laughs> As it is for every improviser. <laughs> you know, yeah, right? I've like, heard oh, that. No. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, I've heard that from, uh, I'm sure you've heard of him, Louis Kornfeld. Uh-huh. Uh, he was saying that... <laughs> He thinks that at the beginning, in like level one, everyone is mm-hmm. just exactly what they should be as an improviser. And then you exactly. spend the rest of your time <laughs> trying to get back there. Totally. hundred um, percent. Yeah, it's hard because you're just like the whole point is listening. I think this with mm-hmm. acting, too. You go into... You go into your first acting class as a human being, and you naturally, as a human being, listen to people. Right. And then they try to teach you how to listen to people, and through that, you learn how to not listen anymore. Right, <laughs> so right. You just get in your head like, about, uh, yeah. <laughs> am I listening? I'm right. supposed to be listening. Am I really listening? And then your brain, you're just thinking about listening. Right. Um, which is the same with improv. <laughs> hmm mm-hmm. Yeah, I so, you know there was something... Um, Recently, I was I, I I had a sketch audition, and we I had that situation where we ran it so much. There was a time like in the middle where I was like, that felt good. I felt like I was really listening and responding. But by the time we got right. in the room, I wasn't in that headspace anymore because I was too busy like 
oh, I got to remember the lines and I got to remember the, you know, delivery that seems like they would want and all that kind of stuff. And I wasn't listening as intuitively. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that, 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 yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's such a pain. And, and yet it's we keep going pain. for it. <laughs> we do. I mean, really, everyone should just stop. This is a, a nightmare. <laughs> it's over. It's over, uh, everyone. Job. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but end, had... end of podcast. No yes, need to talk about anything uh... anymore. Just quit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, you've had a great career in, in acting and improv. Yeah. What? Yeah. It was the best, best decision I ever made to go and take level two for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm wondering for you, what came first? Was it the success as an actress or a success in improv and then, you know, moving on to improv everywhere? Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, what is success? Money? <laughs> well, I just mean... Um, <laughs> yes, that is success. <laughs> True, um, but I also, you know, you, you've been in a lot of really great things, you know, in, in both uh, as an actress and as an improviser. Yes, yes. I mean, I think my sort of my route through UCB was I started taking classes at UCB, mm-hmm. got into level two, um, and that's when I really started to, like, oh, this is a community. And I started to meet people and I had, um, you know, I had a amazing um, indie improv team that I did a lot of stuff with uh, that was just like transformative for me socially as well. Because I was all of a sudden now I was hanging out with people who, um, you know, I moved to New York sort of by myself mm-hmm. and I was working with a lot of, I was waiting tables. And so I had a network of people, but it's really hard to be motivated in this career without you know there's no path it's not like you join a law firm and you work your way up the law the ladder and you're a partner in a law firm this is like okay what do you want to do <laughs> so unless you're really surrounding yourself with like-minded people who are also driven who are also trying to figure out the best way to sort of make it in this crazy industry mm-hmm. um it's kind of hard you feel really lost and i think that's the hardest thing about new york is not having a community for a lot of people yeah. and so ucb sort of not only gave me the training that i was um sort of missing again like i said i left i think i left theater school probably a worse actor than <laughs> maybe i would have been oh. i don't know maybe that's not fair but <laughs> i just i i was forgetting the joy and the the, the listening you know mm-hmm. and so I, I felt like taking improv classes was twofold. It was giving me this this community of people which were motivating me to like figure out how to get an agent and figure out like what kind of stuff I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also learning how to actively listen to people because that's one thing I think that's great about combining um, your actor training with improv training mm-hmm. is that the actor training gives you that base to create characters, to create people and real world experiences. But then improv is like we have to listen because otherwise you're not going to be able to respond in a real way to what's happening on stage. Right. So combining those two things was really helpful. And mm-hmm. 
I also met my husband, my current husband. Your current um, husband. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've made, he's made that joke before. Uh, my current and only husband. I mean, currently he is my husband. He was not my mm-hmm. husband when I met him. Right, That's correct, correct. <laughs> um, he will be my husband forever. He can't get away from me. It's oh, that's just, sweet. Yeah, he's just locked in. It's contractually obligated. Um, <laughs> but I met him there and uh, my husband, Charlie Todd, was was um, really high up in UCB at that point, you know, for, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in the hierarchy of it. He was a teacher and he was on a weekend team. Mm-hmm. So I sort of like, you know, kind of got entrenched in that world really quickly, um, trying to climb up the ladder at UCB or or whatever. And then um, mod teams started and I got a, uh, the first like round of mod teams that had actors. Mm-hmm. And that was just after that, I was like, oh, this is, I felt more like where I needed to be than doing improv necessarily. So I still did improv shows with my friends. Um, but really, like, that's kind of the route that I took at UCB after that was the mm. sketch comedy route. Mm-hmm. And that was great because it was like, oh, this feels perfect. Like, I'm yeah. an actor and I get to to do characters and I get to do scenes. Um, and then I started getting out of my head because it felt like more in my comfort zone, like, Oh, I'm good at this. I can do I can do this. Not that I couldn't do improv, but I was I don't think I ever fully got past being in my head about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, doing improv shows at UCB anyway. Mhm. Mhm. So yeah, yeah, I think um part of the reason that I auditioned recently to be on a sketch team was for that same reason of, oh, this is another part that I want to do. Like I want to learn lines and and develop a character. And, Oh and, yeah. Uh, present that and uh, wanting to do that uh, on a regular basis was part of the reason that I that I auditioned as well. So yeah, you're I, I see where you're coming from on on uh, what your headspace was with with sketch there. Mm-hmm. When you start auditioning for things professionally, you know a lot of times you need characters or just to have that base to go back to for auditions. I just found so much more helpful. Just, I had this base of work, you know, I had these characters that I could do. Mm -hmm. Um, it was really, really helpful. It was the best grad school, uh, (laughs) in the world was doing mod night. Oh, interesting. And you know, you said having a base of characters for auditions, you mean auditions Mm -hmm. for like commercials and TV shows and, and the like? Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, I mean, I never went this, I've, I've never auditioned for Saturday Night Live. I was never, um, uh, I never, not that I don't do characters, but it was never my passion. Like being on mm. Saturday Night Live has never been, I mean, listen, if they're listening, right. I will be on it. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, that was never my dream was to do characters. I, not mm-hmm. that I, again, I do characters, but um but that wasn't the people my, my who goal. generally get cast on there, I mean, they, they will have some people who did stand up, but a lot of they're what they're looking for, yeah. right, they're looking for someone who has a reel of characters specifically. Right. And right. I was on Mod Night, you know, Kate McKinnon and I started on Mod Night around the same time. Oh. And we had our Mod Night shows the same night. It was very clear, like, <laughs> she's the most amazing sketch actress. She so is. In I the love world, her so much, yeah. Um, and my specialty was more. I was. I'm very good at playing a real. Uh, like I'm. I'm a good straight person. Yeah. Um, again, not that I, I, I. And I enjoy that. I actually mm-hmm. really do enjoy the comedy in, 
real situations and real grounded people. There's so much um, that you're saying that I am exactly what I was thinking about recently. Oh, yeah. Because that's exactly how I feel. That I, and I sometimes wonder if it's a hindrance that I like being the straight man or the voice of reason uh, in scenes because, uh, you know, sometimes people are kind of looking for the big personality or the big character, which I don't necessarily think I flourish in. Yeah, but when you think, I always thought of it this way. There are very few jobs where being the big giant character is 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 necessary mm-hmm. right like saturday night live you know i mean mm-hmm. usually on film and tv the comedy lies in being real right. in these situations and again not that characters aren't real right but you don't get hired to play a 60 year old woman <laughs> right right um yeah. you get hired to play someone who's not too far off of whatever your type is mm-hmm And Mm -hmm. so I found in my career that, you know, that background of being able to just really play the comedy real has been enormously helpful. Okay, Um, good to hear. Yeah. And I I mean, but that's also what I love. I love Mm -hmm. that. I love the absurdity of that. Yeah. My 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 sketch comedy uh, husband, as I like to say, Jubin Parang and Mm -hmm. I were... um, very much that we were always he and I were on teams with like really big fun characters. Um, Rob Cuthill is a performer who's just the most outlandish, hilarious person. Mm-hmm. Um, Leslie Mizell always did these huge characters, and he and I were always on teams with them. And I remember uh, one of the best scenes we ever did was just it was um, my friend Carrie McGuire, who's a writer in LA now, wrote it for us, and it, he and I were just sitting on stage. Um, talking about eating meat sauce <laughs> and and it was just a dramatic scene we played it like it was a dramatic scene and it was <laughs> one of the best scenes i ever did and because nothing in it was funny nothing was in it was and it heightened to us like basically getting a divorce over eating too much meat sauce um but you know she wrote it for us being like oh Cody and Jubin are like always just the ones that are like, what's going on? What's, you know, like what, what is the thing? So it's just such this, I found it so satisfying to get such intense laughter from playing everything totally real and totally grounded and totally, you know, me. So I always enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's, uh, I, that's my, that's, that's how I feel. Like that's what energizes me a ton. And I, I do want to be, good at playing big characters but i just love playing the realness of stuff and the people that i've liked the most have been that way you know like you know a phil hartman comes to mind Mm -hmm, exactly and and gary shandling liked to play uh and try to exhibit the the real raw human emotion like that's kind of how he described it it's just human emotion is what acting is is playing human emotion and um yeah uh i that's what i that's my jam that's just i'm not saying that to mean that i'm so good at it it means it's what i get excited about and what i get a kick out of exactly yeah and i think i just think it's also an underappreciated skill a lot um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it isn't the, the weird thing about it it doesn't seem to be in the real casting world but I think sometimes in the comedy world, just the straight person kind of um, 
doesn't uh, sometimes gets overlooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're when you're out in the real world being cast in shows, TV shows and films, that really that skill is really, really shines through. Mm. Um, I think I think so, too. I, I feel like that's, you know, any sort of success I've had has been because I, I felt more grounded than yeah. uh, and, and not so like ridiculous. Right. Um, and characters are also can be grounded and sh- the best characters sure. are real grounded things. But for sure, I was definitely never the uh, going back to Kate McKinnon. Like she, if she was ever the waitress, she would come in and her one line would be like, your dinner is ready. And it would be the most hilarious. <laughs> like, yeah, she has something. Uh, she, thing. yeah, she I, works I was just on like, so you many one line. Yeah. She had one line and it was, you know, she could just, murder it and add so much personality and right. it would always be a little over the top but it was so grounded and real and just you know I'm i, I was right never there with like you. that yeah well <laughs> and that's why she's on saturday that's why she's Night on Live. snl right i mean chris farley was apparently someone else who could in a different way just like deliver a line in such a way that just still got a laugh but exactly. um yeah kate mckinnon there's something just inherent about her that that grounds her and then she puts yeah. the spin on things where it's like mm-hmm. wait a minute where did that come from you seem like oh, i don't know she's just exactly she's so great she's so she's, so great i also i also came to realize that like um some people are just uh i just my point of view was never she could just she and a lot of other people i work with could come up with the weirdest point of view for the most basic Mm-hmm. situation mm-hmm. and you know it took me a long time to realize like oh that's just not me <laughs> i just i guess my brain doesn't work that way <laughs> and that's okay too <laughs> yeah i mean you need you need everybody and and you know like we're the whole reason you're on here is because you've done a lot of great things so it's it's worked out for you to to be the way you are <laughs> thank you <laughs> um when did get it? Because you've been in a ton of commercials and and uh-huh. uh, have been on late night and it's you're on late night with Jimmy Fallon. I've seen every late night with Jimmy Fallon, so mm. I've definitely seen you on there. But who were you on there? So um, I was so in like I was probably I think it was like 2008. He used to do uh, a lot of these series. So he would do like um, parodies of TV shows that were coming out. Right. Or that were popular. Yeah. He did so Real Housewives. Did, yeah. Yeah. And so I was on his um, uh, parody of Lost called Late. Oh. And so that was one of the first things that I did. Okay. Like one of the first like TV shows that I did. And so that it was, was like. My guess is that you're going <laughs> to have been on that. Okay. Yeah. It was like, I don't know, like eight episodes or 10 episodes. So this was one of the first like professional jobs that I had. Cause I remember hiding from the SAG after people so that I didn't have to pay my dues until I had the money. <laughs> I was like, Oh no, it was really that SAG and after hadn't merged yet. And so mm-hmm. I had joined SAG, but I was like, I know this merger is coming through. Do not make me join after. <laughs> like, I want to wait. <laughs> so I was like, definitely like, Oh no, this job is gonna, Oh boy, this is going to be, cause there weren't a lot of after jobs. I felt like it was all the late night stuff. So yeah. I did that and that was that was great. That was like um 10 episodes and it was like, you know, 
there were like a bunch of writers because mm-hmm. they were always him and the writers. Right. Um, Anthony Jeselnik was, was still writing. Jeselnik, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, he was on there. And um, I'm friends with Arthur, and he had just started writing for uh, Jimmy Fallon. Oh, okay. And so I did that. It was really cool because I was working with Jimmy every day, which was really fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was a really fun thing. So that was kind of like the first uh, TV job that I had doing stuff for them. And then since then, I've done a lot more. I haven't really done a lot for, um, I've done, I had done stuff for him before he moved over to, um, tonight show, the tonight show. And mm-hmm. then I also have done a lot of stuff for, uh, Seth, Seth Myers, Myers too. Yeah. 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 And so uh, yeah. I, yeah. That's really cool to have been on too. I don't know that anyone has, has that. I don't know. I mean, they, they kind of like, you get to know all the directors there for the side stuff, you know, mm-hmm. the stuff that they film outside. And so, Directors like to use the same people. Um, also, I'm carving out a, a nice niche for myself as being like a woman in her 30s in New York because mm-hmm. um, most of the women in their 30s in New York moved to L.A. Right. <laughs> so, there's not a lot of us left. So <laughs> they think of me. <laughs> so it's been really nice. And I live in Midtown. So, um, oh, yeah. You can, you can call me last quick. minute. Yeah. You can call me last minute and I'll come over. <laughs> yeah. I just I know that. Like Amy Poehler did stuff on Late Night with Conan as mm-hmm. as an actress, not as like a bit as the guest. Right. And um, I, but I don't know anyone who was able to be on two different iterations of Late Night. I mean, I'm sure they they really like UCB people there, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it would be interesting. I know that they use a lot of the same people, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. been very it's been very great. Um. You know, whenever there's, whenever they call me, I like to go out and, and do stuff, which is really nice. Um, and it's like, you know, really great now because starting at UCB, we have so many friends, I have so many friends there that are mm-hmm. writers now and that are working there full time. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, in all the late night shows. Uh, so it's really nice to get to work with people, um, you know, to get to work with people that I love and that I've worked with for a long time and that I sort of came up with, um, yeah, so it's really nice. Yeah. I get really, I'm not one of those people that gets, uh, I get very happy when my friends are successful. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I, I don't really get jealous. I'm like, cool, when can you hire me? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, that's the thing. I don't know why people try to um, stab people in the back or be real cutthroat and step on people so you can climb yeah, a ladder. I mean, it's I like, who do you think could hire you? a little bit more jealousy in my career. <laughs> well, yeah, just, right. But it's for real, you know? It's like, I'm like, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> it's like it's seems so self-defeating yeah. to have such a bad have a bad attitude so yeah i think so too um i understand it's a personality trait that some people can't get away from but right right for sure but uh yeah but so that was like kind of my first um like tv job and mm-hmm. then i also in that that same year around that same time started doing commercials and i got a commercial agent from performing at ucb mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i took this great class called the Brooke and Mary class. Um, and then I met my commercial agent through that. And, uh, I, I've had, I've been very, very fortunate that I've been able to work in commercials, um, pretty regularly. Uh, and that's basically been financially just afforded me a life of, you know, an actor, which is great. Yeah. So, and then the, the other good thing about commercial training, um, when you're just getting started, 
it's nice because it ex- it exposes you to sets, um, to professional sets and directors mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. So you're not sort of learning on, um, you know, on things that you're, you, you care about more. <laughs> right. Um, you know what I mean? Like I, by the time I have been on TV shows now and things, I, I'm not intimidated by professional sets because I've right. been on so many for commercials. Yeah. It's kind of a nice, nice way to, to sort of dip my toe in. Oh, absolutely. What advice can you offer about, because I'm, I'm trying to get acting work here as well. Uh, and yeah. I'm sure some of our listeners are as well. So what sort of advice can you offer for how to get more of these sort of roles? Or, um, you know, I, obviously, yeah, I everyone has basically told me when I've asked that question is just like, huh, I don't know how it happens. <laughs> you know, I got lucky. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Have lots of friends. <laughs> um, no, I mean, that is part of it. Definitely. I think building your community and, um, and also not worrying about money in the beginning, which I know is really hard. I always had a waiting tables job that I was, you know, fortunate enough when I was starting out, I did that for money so that I was able to, uh, not feel desperate about getting, um, getting the next job, you know, not saying like, Oh, I need to have this. So whenever I got a booked a commercial or I booked something, it was like this extra added bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, monetarily, uh, which is, I mean, it's hard to do. It's hard to find a, I was lucky enough to have worked in the restaurant business for long enough that I'd had sort of a, um, good schedule and good, but it's stressful. It's stressful to have a mm-hmm. full-time job and also be doing this. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I would say, I wished, I really, really wish that I had um, found my voice a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sort of started comedy late, which is funny because I was 25, but I felt like I had started late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I'm so old. These people are 22. Yeah. Um, and- I started at 30, and I mentioned that to, some, to Sarah Schaefer, who's a, a stand-up and, yeah. um, and writer, and she was like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Like it, it doesn't. It, it really, really doesn't. Cares? <laughs> but I was in my head so much about it. Yeah. Um, about being. And then I also think it just took me a while to figure out. I guess I had sort of thought of myself as like just kind of I'm an actor. I'm not really a comedian. So for a long time, I went into it thinking like, well, I'm, I, I'm not funny. Me personally, I'm not funny. I'm funny in real life, but not funny on stage. Or, or I don't know. I just didn't trust my voice. I was starting, I started comedy at a time when there weren't a lot of women on stage to emulate. Um, and I was really lucky, uh, that a lot of my friends that, you know, I, I, I took classes with, um, you know, with Abby Jacobson and, Mm -hmm. and she sort of was like, I don't care if there's not a lot of, of opportunity for, funny women at UCB at the time. I mean, you know, just by nature, there weren't a lot of parts or things for us to do at the time. And Mm -hmm. it's gotten so much better Mm -hmm. for sure. But you know, like she and Alana started their own web series. Right. I didn't even occur to me that I could have done that at the time. Mm. I guess I was just waiting around for somebody to give me a job rather than to think I could just create my own content, Mm -hmm. whatever that is. If it's stand up, if it's sketches, if it's whatever, and even on Mod Night, for the first couple of years I was on Mod Night, I felt like I was waiting for people to write characters for me rather than to 
make the characters myself and sort of have like strong voice and opinion about things. And then as I got older, I started to just realize like, oh, I am funny. <laughs> I do have a voice. My voice is unique to other people's. Right. Um, and then I started to really get into like political comedy and, and that has kind of been transformative for me. Mm-hmm. Now I do voices on our cartoon president on Showtime and I have right. a podcast that's got a really, um, we've had a show for three years at UCB that's been running and that's doing really well. Um, called Two Beers In, a tipsy right. political roundtable. Mm-hmm. And um, I had done some, uh, I'd done a story for Vice News Tonight. And I just, you know, once I really started to realize, like, A, what my end goal was, right? Like, what is the overall thing that you want to do? What would, what what's your pie in the sky? What would make you happy? You know, is it mm-hmm. being on The Daily Show? Is it being on SNL? Is it having your own sitcom? Like, if all those barriers were stripped away that you put on yourself, like what would you want to do? Um, knowing what that is, knowing that you have a voice and kind of t- trying to uh, trust that everything you do is unique and interesting because you're a unique and interesting person. Right. Um, and not worrying so much about the money in the beginning, if it's possible. If you have rich parents, that helps. I do <laughs> not. So that was always harder for me. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think all of those things, like trusting your gut and, and just not waiting for people to give you things, just sort of doing them on your own is really important. Yeah, it is. And, and it takes a lot of confidence and um, yeah, various things. Like not having money can actually affect your confidence and not getting gigs <laughs> yeah. can help, can affect your confidence. I mean, there's so many things that can, that can uh, uh, stress you out and, and make exactly. you have confidence. But that's exactly what you need is that confidence in order to get out of that situation. For sure. For sure. So, yeah, make confidence happen. <laughs> yeah, make it happen for yourself. No, uh, How does that happen? You know, I'm trying to figure that out. I feel like I used to be more confident five years ago than I am now. You know, so. That's interesting. You're supposed to get more confident with age. Yeah, there's certain things I think where I've gotten a little more confident um, has been to be a little bit more like uh, artfully not caring what other people <laughs> We'll say this is kind of like, well, I know that this makes sense to me and, you know, I know that I'm coming from a good place, so I'm not going to fret about it. You know, like right. That's that's sort of where I've gotten that seems to be somewhat helpful socially. But when it comes to dealing with certain (laughs) certain people or certain situations, it can be kind of hard to go in with the necessary confidence. Yeah, yeah. I have that when I go into commercial auditions now, I have that because I've been doing commercials for so long and I've booked a lot Mm -hmm. that I just feel like when I don't get it, I don't care and I don't blame myself. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like I feel like I've mastered the skill. I feel like I'm good. I know I'm good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, I would love to translate that to TV and film auditions (laughs) to have that. That like, you know, just like, yeah, whatever, you know, just to get to that point where you're like, this is what you get. This is me. If you don't like this, that's fine. Maybe it's not right for every part, but. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's the sort of confidence I have too. I'm a little bit more on the, in the place of, well, maybe I need to get a little better at auditioning, but I have the confidence to believe that I can as well. So that like, that's a good level of confidence to have as well like confidence in your ability but also confidence in your ability to get better 
Yes, exactly. You know, not saying that I can't learn anymore or, Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 Push yourself in new ways. Yeah. That's not what um, I was trying to, I, I hope I didn't. In- no, no, not at all. See, no, this is my lack of confidence and, and, uh, <laughs> Low self-esteem saying like, oh, you, you upset someone, Jason, you dummy. I have three brothers. It is very hard to upset me. I have very thick skin. Okay. Um, it takes a lot. <laughs> well, I, I really appreciate this advice that you're giving, though, because it is, you know, it, it is a tough thing, but we kind of can't fret how tough it is. Yeah, I think too. Like as I've gotten older, I've I've realized. I also love saying that as I've gotten older, as if I'm eighty five. <laughs> um, but I have two kids now, so I just I part of that is stripped away. My giving a fuck about anything, right? Um, I'm like I'm keeping two little humans alive. Like right. I don't have time to worry about if you liked my hair in this audition. Like I don't care. <laughs> but as I've gotten older, I've realized that like. I used to put so much uh, emphasis on the gatekeepers, on agents and managers and casting directors and all that, right? Like, they know what's funny. They know what's good. They know what, you know, whatever. And and now I realize, like, they don't know. Um, (laughs) And every one of them has a different opinion. And so you can't base everything you do off of what they think. I know it's hard because those are the people that give you jobs. (laughs) <laughs> but, right. Yeah. But we're also at a point now where you can make your own work, you know, mm-hmm. um, and have it turn into something. Mm-hmm. And the more passionate you are about something, you know, the the better it is, and the better you're going to be as a performer. So. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And I I do think, and and you know, you mentioned Abby and Alana earlier, and that's a very um, popular. So I'm I'm so glad that they've influenced people the way they have because yeah. It, you know, maybe you won't have their success, but you mm-hmm. should go out and try to do your own thing. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And now it's easier than ever. I mean, when, mm-hmm. when I was starting comedy, like you had to have a camera. Right. <laughs> like, now you could do things on your phone. Right. I see so many people doing hilarious characters on Twitter, you know, just like popping mm-hmm. up little things on Twitter. I just think it's so good. And I also just think you have to be willing to experiment and not... um and not like worry about every little thing getting picked apart. That's something I still struggle with. Oh is yeah, is putting things out there and getting worried. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just put it out there. Put it yeah. out there. Some things are going to fall down and are be terrible, and other things, you know, are going to be great. Will be yeah. Or <laughs> they're all going to be terrible, right. and then you can just quit and become a doctor, which is really what we should all do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's stuff to be proud of, you know. And there's and there's yeah. comedy or being a doctor. Yeah, <laughs> but it's yeah. your output. Um, and you know? you know, you mentioned um, exactly. It's like whatever, same thing. But I also have a lot of friends that have quit the business now, and they're very happy. So I think that's also a good thing. It's a terrible it's, business, and uh, if you can be happy doing anything else, you really should. Yeah, you know, it's all about. It's all about that. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If you're chasing fame, then you should probably get out. Oh, also, I realized I do not want to be super famous. I've sort of carved this nice niche out for myself of being a working actor, which yeah. I really enjoy. Yeah. I enjoy it. Like, I I don't uh, think I want to work. Uh, like, I did a couple episodes of Law & Order, mm-hmm. and I realized how much, like, Mariska Hargitay works. Yeah. And I just thought, this sounds terrible <laughs> like 15 well, yeah. hour days like oh yeah six I mean, days and, a week and once you get a machine a going yeah you have to keep that machine going somehow because you think of film actors 
Um, they're yeah. people who have done a couple of good movies early on that were huge and they got to be mm-hmm. massive. And then you see them in some things that you wouldn't have put them in. Not necessarily that they're bad. They're just weird choices. And it's because they, they had to do something that year, you know, like they yeah. had to stay relevant. That's the thing about fame and chasing fame is that you have to keep trying at it. It's not, you know, yeah. like. And you, nowadays, who would want to be that famous? I mean, people can uh, find out where you live in one second. It's scary. And I just, yeah, it's. I've. I've definitely had. My husband has a little bit more. Um, he's, you know, a little internet famous, I would say, or, mm-hmm. or sort of internet famous. And you know, he gets recognized on the street, and I'm always like, are these people following us home? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Ugh. I mean, no, everybody's always really kind and lovely, and that's nice to have people come up and tell you that they like your work, and mm-hmm. that's really, really great. But it just sort of gets me like. Huh. Well, I mean, <laughs> it was a fan and who shot like Lennon. Mildly, I know. It's just like that's just like mildly famous to be like Jennifer Aniston, where they're like monitoring every like that your is trash. So, like, this is so insane. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I wish it wasn't happening. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, it's just I mentioned Lennon, but uh, you even take Anne Hathaway, right? Like she, yeah. she rose to some. St- serious stardom and then people out of nowhere just turned on her and that i know (laughs) that affected her you know like you it seemed like she was aware of that and she internalized it and it was just super sad to me because she she just seems like a normal nice person who just wants to work in in a field she loves and had had this situation where fame made her internalize bitterness and hatred towards her that was really unwarranted. I mean, I'm not saying you have to think she's the best thing since sliced bread, but right. But the level yeah. that she was getting had nothing to do with something she did. Exactly. exactly. She didn't do something. She didn't do something morally wrong to anybody mm-hmm. um, and then receive a bunch of hate for it. She just received a bunch of hate. And it's super weird. And that's exactly. what fame does. That's yeah. one of the things fame can do to people. I definitely <laughs> have decided pretty early on, like, no, that sounds terrible. Oh, yeah. The older I get, I like the more being... I'm like, I just want to work. <laughs> I just want to make wanna a work. living. You want to work with people you like. You want to make stuff you're proud of. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I that, that that's the goal, I think, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Um, Stuff that I, the type of and not work, work that I 10 admire. months a year oh, yeah. <laughs> straight for 15 hour days. Right. I'm you just know. too lazy. I'm too old to work that much. <laughs> I'm basically retired. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Since you mentioned, that being said, if anyone's oh. listening, hire me, please hire. Me. Yes. Please hire both of us. <laughs> um, I'd love to work with her and you really want to hire her. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so please hire us both. Uh, you mentioned your husband and uh, internet fame, so I think it's a good time to talk about improv everywhere. Yeah. Um. What? Um, how did that come about? And and is it mostly his brainchild, or was it both of you? Oh no, it's one hundred percent Charlie. So mm-hmm. my husband Charlie Todd started. Um, this group called Improv Everywhere in 2001, and he was just basically he was taking classes at UCB uh, and just messed around with his friends and was sort of just creating these like weird kind of pranks or happening type things in public space. So he called it Improv Everywhere, and you know you should have him on sometime because I'm sure he could 
describe all this better. I'd love to. Um, but he, you know, started this group called Improv Everywhere, and it's just basically him doing these weird things in public. <laughs> and called it Improv Everywhere, which was maybe not the best name at the time, but he was taking classes, improv classes, and, you know, it just kind of worked sort of a catch all for anything he wanted to do. So mm-hmm. we met in 2005 at UCB and, mm. um, or no, wait, 2006 at UCB. I started classes in 2005. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he'd already been doing improv everywhere for about five years by the time I met okay. him. And it was kind of like a big thing. I remember like, so he was my level two teacher. We did not start dating until after the class was over. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. For anybody who is, <laughs> this is not a hashtag me too situation. Yeah, right. He was 100% yeah. professional. Yeah, he wasn't After the class was yeah. over. And then we were not professional after that. And I never <laughs> took class from him again. <laughs> and he never was sat in an audition for me. Never coached a team. After that, we were just straight up dating. So it was <laughs> totally professional. After we, I, This was like a story in the New York Times. And when we got married, we had like a little like thing in the New York Times wedding section, you know, like mm-hmm. that was like a dream of mine. I was like, I'm going to be in the New York Times. <laughs> so anyway, you know, I love the It's like the sports section for yeah. for ladies. But, uh, he, you know, we tell the story about him being my teacher. And now he's like, oh, my God, like. Can we not mm. tell people that I was your teacher? This sounds bad. They don't know. You can't explain. I was like, well, All right. anyway. you know, it sounds bad when people <laughs> look at the way life works from only one perspective. But exactly. obviously there are people who met at we're work. The, he's yeah. a year older than me. Right. Teacher yeah. thing, whatever. Yeah, we're not um, talking about some 50-year-old man who was dating his <laughs> 20-year-old student or something like that. Exactly. Anyway, I before I started taking uh, his class, my mom called me and was like, oh my gosh, I saw this really cute boy on um, Keith Olbermann mm. talking about a bunch of people wearing no pants on the subway and he's really cute and you should go try to find him in New York. <laughs> Because I was going through a breakup and my mom thought that was so funny. She was going to find me a boyfriend on Keith Olbermann. That's so and I funny. was like, Mama, that's my new improv teacher. Oh, wow. Isn't that hilarious? That is. And guess what? We are married now with two children. Yeah. So your mom <laughs> had a good instinct. She did. She did. So that was that's very sort funny. sort of like um, my girlfriend. Uh, we started dating and I hadn't met her, her family yet. Mm-hmm. And her mom, when she, all she knew was that, my, you know, girlfriend of the show, Justina, was dating someone. That's all she knew. Mm-hmm. And um, she was watching. She's she was watching a show back home that I was on. Everyone's just like a local uh, show in South Carolina, and she just saw me. Didn't know who her girlfriend was dating, but saw me and said, that's him. Ah! <laughs> See, just something Sometimes it yeah. just works out that way. Oh, what yeah. part of South Carolina are you from? The upstate uh, Spartanburg and Greenville. So if you fly, you usually are flying into Green- the Greenville Spartanburg airport. My husband is from Columbia. Oh, if I we got a lot of cousins that. in Spartanburg. Okay. If I ever heard that, then I forgot. I know a guy whose last name is, well, maybe, I don't know if I know his family. I was going to try to guess. You might. Uh, is there a Michael <laughs> Todd? I don't know. I don't think okay. there's a Michael Todd. Okay. okay. No. That's, a, that's the Todd that I know. 
We can get into our Spartanburg relations too, and I can find out if you know them. <laughs> that's uh, I I we got to do this. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's cool. So so it was already a thing, and then you got involved because you know eventually when you start dating him, you started yes. doing stuff with it as well. Yeah, um, and and early on I was like, you know, I mean he was still like super. He had a pilot in like not too long after we started dating on NBC mm-hmm. and, you know, but like early on, once I started dating him, I was pretty active in like helping him with props and like helping on that kind of stuff. Cause mm-hmm. I'm, um, you know, I'm really like anal about putting things <laughs> together and like he's, he's way more organized than me, which is funny cause I'm very organized. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like doing that kind of stuff. So I would help him with that kind of stuff and any any sort of like filming things too, I would help, you know, back in the old days. And then, um, and I was in a lot of that, a lot of his stuff too. So definitely I felt like, um, I helped him a lot, but, but improv everywhere is his baby. And it definitely, it's, it's all him. Like Mm -hmm. all of his Mm -hmm. ideas, everything is all him. Uh, but you know, when you, when you're both, um, in comedy, I was definitely helping. He would always ask me to like, ask me for advice or brainstorming and that sort of stuff. But, you know, it's his brainchild for sure. Um, and it's always, you know, it's, it's great because I've always, we've always felt like we were doing different things, but we could help each other out with our projects, which is nice. So there was never any like, because it's like, we're both in comedy, but we're both doing like different things or trying to do different things. It was never, you know, it was never any jealousy or, or anything like that. It was just nice that, uh, I feel like, you know, I could ask him for advice on things on my mm-hmm. projects and um, I can help him out with his projects. But I don't know. We were never other than our podcast now that we collaborate on. Mm-hmm. We've never really like, you know, it was like we always had our separate stuff that we helped each other out with. But it was like, this is your thing. That's very cool. And let's let's get back into talking about your things. So you write, you've written for a reductress. Mm-hmm. As you previously mentioned, and you're also uh, you've been uh, first lady Melania Trump on uh-huh. our cartoon president, <laughs> and yeah. um, you know you've done stuff, and also like, there was Vice News Tonight, and and you have your podcast, which is about um, the about politics. So it's your interest that you had from a young age has still continued into your professional life here, which is cool to see. Um, yeah. And how did you start getting involved with some of these other things? How long has the podcast been going on? We've been going on for um, three years. So awesome. we started okay. before the 2016 campaign, mm-hmm. and it has gotten decidedly less funny since uh, Trump got elected. <laughs> yeah. And that's where the beer kind of helps, maybe, uh, being a yes. couple of drinks yeah. in. Um, yeah. But also, you know, I. I <laughs> People who are sober can end up having a tough time talking about politics. So, yes, is that yes. something that is a part of the show where, like, now it's even a little more difficult or, or loose sometimes to talk about tough stuff? Yeah, I mean, you know, we at the it's still a comedy show, so mm-hmm. we really try to make sure that we're still making people laugh through mm-hmm. the <laughs> through the pain yeah <laughs> um so and that's and that's hard it's definitely harder in this, yeah how do you do especially that? like 
I don't know. No, you know, the biggest <laughs> thing is like, I think the panels that we put together are really important. So we always try to have like a political comedian, like somebody mm-hmm. who writes for like a John Oliver or Sam B daily mm-hmm. show, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, somebody who's just a straight up like actor or something or performer. And then we also try to have some sort of politico, like a writer, um, you know, a journalist, something like that. We've had politicians on too, which is really fun. Mm -hmm. And like at the beginning, we sort of thought like, oh, you know, the, um, that we need to have this mix of people. Like if we, you know, in some, some shows, it's like the perfect mix of people that other shows it's like, oh, (laughs) You know, you just need to have a better mix. But originally, before the 2016 election, I think we sort of thought, well, we'll have to have the political comedians on to keep things light and funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but at now, I sort of think it's almost the opposite because the people who are writing for the political shows are so inundated with the nightmare that is Trump mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that they're less funny than a lot of times the journalists are who are just like, actually, they're in it doing serious stuff. So they're looking for a fun outlet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's been sort of this funny switch, but um, yeah, it can yeah, be think, tough. I mean, like when you're a lot of times when you're writing comedy, I'm not informing you of anything, but you're kind of looking at the thing that annoys you so you can, you know, write something about it, right. have some fodder. And when it's something, you. <laughs> yeah, you know, when it's something like this, where it's like, oh, this is this is not silly. Right, you know, like right. A, so many things, it's something silly that, you know, even you realize it's not that important and it just annoys you in some little way. But when it's something like uh, the things that are going on politically right now, that's not silly stuff. It it genuinely angers you more than, mm-hmm. than uh, you know, I don't know, somebody having too many items in the 10 items or less line does. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Yeah, it's there's some there's some tough things. We've had some, you know, I think the sh- the shows after, you know, let's say any of the no- numerous amounts of shootings we've had have been hard. Right. <sighs> you know, we just it's it's work. It's work to keep it, but but it's I think it's important. I think political comedy now is really, really important. And mm-hmm. so um yeah, sadly, a lot of people seem to get their news from political comedy, so yeah, it is. feels like a good time to be doing it. But yeah. it's definitely, uh, it's definitely can be can be hard. And mm-hmm. and as a as a panelist, it's or as a uh, host, you know, it's um, my husband and I's job to to keep it, you know, to keep it light, right? Because sometimes the tendency can be to not have it be, um, you know, we have to sort of move it back to. All right. <laughs> this is a comedy show. <laughs> well, good on you for for doing something that is designed to try to help people laugh through the, <laughs> through something they're upset. We about. all need we all need a break, right? Mm-hmm, Some sort mm-hmm. of break, break while listening. Just like you feel like you can't take a break, you have to listen to it. Mm-hmm. So you might as well laugh a little bit during during it. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, uh, we could talk about your work for so long, but we have gotten to the end of the episode, so it's time to create something together. Great. And I'm wondering what's something we can create together. Maybe it should be how to take a serious topic and spin it into something more lighthearted and funny, um, if there's maybe a process that one could take with that. Or maybe it's, uh, since I was asking about how to get more acting work. Maybe it's a plan of attack for for that. 
Um, what jumps out at you? Oh, that seems like a really good idea, actually. I yeah. um, love to help other people figure out uh, how to goal set mm-hmm. and then to also follow through on those goals. So that Excellent. seems like that would be really fun. Okay, great. I would be game for that. Let's do it. <laughs> so I've only been here two and a half years. And okay. um, earlier this year, I did land a manager. Um, great. Congratulations. Thank you. I don't have an agent, but the manager is uh, has sent me out on a couple of things. Um, so, but I have not landed both of those things. Um, that's did, okay. That's going to happen. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's part of the business. So yeah. for me though, I, now I have not taken any auditioning classes since moving here. So I imagine that's mm-hmm. something that would be on the list to do. Yes, perhaps. Um, okay. yeah, I, so this is sort of what I think is, this is what I like to do in this business. That's very, uh, where you have no control, right? Like you can't control how many auditions you get or whatever. It's nice to be able to take control back um, in some way. So, yeah, I think definitely like trying to schedule something where if you do get an audition, you are going in uh, and doing your best at it. That's good. Um, but one of the things I've noticed uh, in my career is that a lot of the stuff that I get is from uh, fans of mine. I don't mean fans like, you know, <laughs> like, I just mean like fans a listener. Is just, so. Yeah, yeah. Fans are just a list of friends, colleagues, people you've worked with that like you and that like your work, right? Okay, okay. So one of the things that I uh, have done before when I'm feeling like, oh, I want to get better at auditions or I want to have more auditions, uh, just for my mental thing, one thing you can do, I like doing, is making a list of your fans. Okay. Um, so if you just like write down, just this is just helpful. If you write down a list of like people that uh, – you would you could absolutely go to and ask for help. And so that mm-hmm. could be that doesn't have to be people in the business either, right? So it could be like your family, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um and then like then there's like uh people that you want to become your fans, right? So mm-hmm. that's like anybody that you really want to work with. Um casting directors, actors, you know, whatever. You could go look up all your favorite shows and see who the casting directors are for that. So that's one thing you can do. And once you have a list of those two things, then you can like go to your manager and say, Hey, you know, I really love, um, I don't know, um, succession on HBO. Mm -hmm. Who's the casting director for that? Is there any way, you know, do you know them? Do you, is there any way I could like, you know, try to get seen for that, whatever. So that's one thing you can do to sort of take control in addition to signing up for like a class. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something I I like to do. Think of the shows and the jobs that I want to have. Okay. And then kind of figure out like, oh, is there a way I can be proactive about getting those jobs? Okay. Okay, cool. What is Would you want to do that? Yeah, no, I totally would. Um <laughs> I love this. I'm like, listen, I'm going to throw this at you. This is a very long project. <laughs> <laughs> I know I I'm, I'm actually I was thinking about like who I could already ask, you know, like already thinking about the people that I know I'd put on that list. Yeah. Because you can take an, you, you can, and you should take an audition class. Okay. 
um, if you think that will help you and make you feel more confident. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to help you get more auditions, right? Right. Think about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, people don't really the the couple of classes I've seen the people who are you know offering the class were not promising the world. But I did. There was a class at my theater at Magnet that was offered, and someone who took it was saying how great it was, and that it was like their favorite class mm-hmm. that they took out of all the classes they've taken because uh, they thought it was so helpful so and you know on, on, that's part of the reason why I want to take a class is that if it can be helpful then hey you know why not but that is yeah, money sure. you know that is like a few hundred dollars right and it's free to make a list of the things you want to have right exactly what are your favorite <laughs> shows I do love a lot of late night shows um, so Fallon, Seth Meyers, Colbert, Conan, but only three of those are in New York. Um, mm-hmm. Daily Show. Uh, yeah, I do love those shows. I love SNL. It's arguably my favorite show of all time. And there's some shows that don't shoot here that I also like. Um, yeah. But yeah. So, like, obviously, you're not going to maybe tomorrow call your manager and say, <laughs> I'd like to go and get seen for SNL. <laughs> right. You have to work up to that if that's I, what you yeah. want. Which, you um, know, I'm yeah, probably aged out of being on SNL anyway. I don't know. Just saying. Um, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, they Mikey have- Day's maybe my age or a year younger. And he got on a couple of years ago. So there you go. Yeah, that's true. And also, wait, how old Leslie are you? Jones. Are you 60, 65? No, I'm 40. <laughs> but um, Leslie Jones was 48, maybe, when she got on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it it, it really doesn't matter as much anymore. No. <laughs> but SNL is one of those things that, like, you should be ready before you start knocking down that door in terms right. of just having characters to do. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, it shouldn't just be the type of, yeah, but, but, but you can, you can go to your manager and say, Hey, I would like to, you know, is it possible? Do you know these casting directors? Like, mm-hmm. what can I, and ask their advice, like say, this, this is the kind of work I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, just so you know, that's what I'm interested in. If you ever see any needs there, let me know, but mm-hmm. you know. Okay. Everyone, I feel like every actor who lives here is like, Oh, it'd be great to, even just play a dead body on Law and Order. I feel uh-huh, like that's a yeah. common. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't put that on the list. Yeah, no, you should. I think I think that's uh, definitely something you can work towards. Is the dead body on Law and Order? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but cool. Law and Order is a great one. That is something that you could send to your agent and say they've used every your manager and say they've used every actor in New York. All right, like multiple times. Can you send me? A- yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like I'm a new one. I'm a new face yeah. they can put. <laughs> I felt that way when I, I signed with my first agent. I was like, listen, I'm a New York actor and I've never been on Law & Order. I've never auditioned for it. What the fuck? And then I went and auditioned and I booked the first time I auditioned. And I was like, thank you. Officially a New York actor now. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what I want. I want to be able to say that. And I think it involves yeah. that sort of opportunity. So make um, a list. That's mm-hmm. that's what I would like to create with you. Doesn't have to be this second, but mm-hmm. you should make a list of all the people that you want to work with or shows that you want to work on. Okay. And then also like make your fans list. And the reason I say that is because maybe there are people on that list that have some connection to the shows you want or 
know like or have worked on that show and then you can say how did you get in that room Mm -hmm. you know so that's what i would do i think those lists are important and it gives you some sort of control over a completely uncontrollable uh career yeah and also thinking about it can sort of open your eyes to who has your back and that can be a confidence booster very big confidence booster it's great it's like it's great definitely great okay any other tips (laughs) advice I mean, listen, I have so many tips and advice. Number one, my I think this the overarching, I've been working with this amazing uh, group of people. Shout out to the um, Capes Coaching Path class. I've been mm-hmm. doing that for 10 years. And I've been working um, with a small group of other performers. There's about five of us and we meet. Um, we try to meet weekly, although it's you know hard sometimes, but we check in with each other's goals and we hold each other accountable for things. And it is um, amazing. And I can tell you the last 10 years, everything I've gotten, I can, I can say has been helped by having that group of people. So I think just writing down your goals, thinking about your goals, thinking about what your dream goal is and mm-hmm. not telling yourself no on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because you can have some control. You can take a little bit, a little bit of control. Excellent. And 40's not old. I know. I don't think so. I'm not 40 yet, but I'm definitely staring down the barrel of it. <laughs> They're definitely, yeah, I don't feel old. I definitely, um, within myself, I don't feel old. And I don't, you know, I, I just, I think things have changed so much that it kind of doesn't matter. And I'm pretty youthful. Nobody matter. thinks I'm 40. Everyone thinks I'm 30. You know? Well, if you keep telling them on your podcast, they're going to know. Well, I'm proud. Um, I'm proud of it. <laughs> My husband just turned 40 on Christmas Eve, so. Oh, okay. He's, um, yeah. No, you guys are both from South Carolina and you're both 40. I mean. Yeah, and only 14. I feel like there's going to be like a large cross-section of people you know. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah, sure. there you go. Well, there it is. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, Cody. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Really great chat. And I really, really appreciated her advice and her time as well. She had a lot of wisdom in there, so I hope you got something out of it as well. I'm going to take this challenge and use it because I'm lucky to have a lot of really great, supportive people around me. Well, you can follow her. We have her website linked in the bio as well as her podcast, Two Beers In, linked in there as well. And you can follow her Twitter and Facebook at Cody Linkwist and the podcast, her podcast, at Two underscore beers underscore in. You can follow us at There It Is Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. Link in bio for that as well. We have a couple more weeks of our book giveaway. And next week, we have Brother of the Show back. It's Trey. Yay! Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 